The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that, opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised. On this week's Court TV podcast, there was a judge's ruling in the George Floyd case that will have a major impact on the trial going forward. Court TV's Julie Janae will join me with all the details. Floyd's death prompted protests in Minneapolis that lasted for days. Should participating in those protests exclude someone from serving on the jury in this trial? Defense attorney Eklund Mercy says no and will tell us why. This is the Court TV Podcast with Vinnie Politan. Welcome to the Court TV Podcast. I'm Vinnie Politan. Thanks so much for listening, downloading, and being a part of what is taking place at Court TV. And let me tell you, folks, in case you don't know, what we do at Court TV is gavel-to-gavel coverage of the nation's biggest trials. And 2021 is going to be huge. You know we've had this COVID shutdown, so all these trials are just backed up, and they're lined up and ready to go uh, on Court TV, which is a television network, and we will be covering them. And the first mega trial of 2021 right now is scheduled to be the George Floyd case. And um, I don't have to tell you how big this one is, but I will because that's my job. This is a case that has influenced our system of justice, has changed the way many people look at our system of justice, and it's also, from my perspective, uh, a wake-up call. You know, a wake-up call to say, hey, don't forget about this branch of the government, folks. Important things happen here in the judicial branch, and that's what we focus on at Court TV. So with that being said, um, we're getting ready for this case. Right now, it's scheduled for March 8th. Cameras inside the courtroom. You're going to see and hear the evidence, the testimony. You'll hear the arguments by the lawyers, the cross-examination, everything. And now we've got a huge development in the case. Huge development in the case. I think I've said huge like three times already on this podcast, but I'm not overstating the fact. So let me bring in Court TV legal correspondent Julia Janae, who's been out to Minneapolis, who's been covering this case in depth. She's even wearing purple today. She's even wearing purple to the podcast um, uh, as we talk about Minneapolis. All right, Julia Janae, welcome. Great to see you. Hey, Vinny. Thanks for having me on. All right. This is a, a big ruling by the judge, but it's, but it's but it's more than big. It's surprising. I was not expecting this. So lay it out for the folks at home who don't know um, what this ruling was and, and, and who it impacts. We were not expecting this decision, Vinny, and it's not just us. Both the parties in this case, the state and the defense, they were not expecting this turn of events either. But let me tell you the buildup. We were expecting that the judge was going to say something about the March 8th date, because on one side, the state was asking to move it. They wanted this date to be in June, not in March, and they cited a public health crisis. They think things are going to be better with COVID-19, coronavirus, the vaccine. They think everything will be better in June. So that's what they filed. And the defendants on the other side 
they were asking many of them to move this trial out to July or just an unspecified date because they didn't want it to go forward in March, saying they didn't have enough of their stuff from the state. They didn't have all the discovery. They didn't have all their expert information that they needed. So we knew the judge was going to say something. But this was one of those rare situations where he didn't side with either party. He uh, uh, maybe the interest of justice is what he sided with, but he decided to split up these defendants instead of a joint trial with four defendants being tried at the same time. He moved Derek Chauvin's case, not moved it. He kept it the same on March 8th and moved the other three defendants to Tal Thomas Lane and J. Alexander King to August. And, and Chauvin is the Chauvin is the the most experienced uh, officer there. He's the one with the knee on the neck. He is. He is the principal. He is the one that was charged first. The other three were charged with aiding and abetting. And the reason this was so surprising is the judge had already said these parties have to be tried together. There was already a battle back many months ago over whether or not these defendants would be tried together. But the judge's reasoning on this was a space issue. There wasn't enough room to have everyone inside the courtroom and keep that social distance. So he split them up, and now it is just going to be Derek Chauvin at trial in March. This is a, this is a major development on many levels. But let's start first with the judge's reasoning, because you had prosecutors in this case who have tried to keep cameras out, have tried to keep the public from seeing body cam footage and now don't want to try the case on March 8th. Um, that's on, on one side. But on the other side, you've got the defense who wants cameras in the courtroom, wanted the body cam footage released, but they also wanted it moved. And the judge is, is going to do it on the 8th. So the state now is saying health reasons. But I guess the judge's compromise is, okay, we'll keep it as safe as possible by just having one defendant with one set of defense attorneys, and we'll, we'll cut out three defendants, three other sets of defense attorneys, and we'll create more space. And, have you been inside this courtroom? I've not been inside this courtroom. I've been inside this courthouse. I've seen pictures of this courtroom. It is the largest one that the Hennepin County Government Center has to offer, and they did think that it was going to work. Because if every defendant only had one attorney sitting at the, with, at the defense table with them, then things would have worked out fine. But the judge says recently they've learned that each of these defendants want two attorneys at their table. So that threw the plan uh, in, out of the window because now they would not be able to distance or have that restriction on how many people would be in the courtroom. So they are doing everything they can to keep things safe inside the courtroom. But the judge has essentially dismissed the state's argument that outside the courtroom, the court should be concerned about the crowds. All right. So where are we right now? Because March 8th, is it's still the date, right? March 8th, it's locked in. It's locked in. It's fast approaching. The state just filed their motion to reconsider. So they are asking this court to look at this again. They are bringing up their public health expert information again in front of this judge saying this is about public health. This is about the amount of people who will be outside that will be close together and protesting. But they're concerned about these protesters. They think that's going to spread the virus more. And if this happens in June, they think that will allow time for more people to have the vaccine and not infect each other as they're worried Wait. about. So, so what you're saying 
So this is interesting. Now, so what you're saying is that part of the concern is not so much the lawyers inside the courtroom, but it's everyone, the people who will show up, the, the people who are interested in this case, the people who want their voices heard, perhaps outside of the courthouse as well. That is correct, because the court is going to have a trial no matter what. Trials are happening in Hennepin County, Minnesota. So the courts have done what they need to do to be safe, to check people as they're going in, to keep people distance, they're wearing their masks. But that's not as much of a concern or reason to move this trial uh, as the possibility, and we know it's a very, very, very likely possibility that there are going to be hundreds, maybe thousands of people outside of this courthouse every day of the trial. Well, that's not the concern of the judge inside the courthouse. That's the job of of the city of Minneapolis. That's the job of perhaps security at the courthouse. But that's clearly has has nothing to do with what's happening inside the court. What, what's ironic about that is they are concerned about people coming down to the courthouse, perhaps trying to get into the courtroom as well, whereas they don't want it on television either. They don't want cameras in there. I mean, this is the safest way and is to put cameras inside the courtroom so people don't have to be inside the courtroom, crowded inside there, to see a public trial. So, um, you know, they're kind of, uh, from my perspective, arguing out of both sides of their mouths a little bit here. That, hey, public, the, the, the best way to keep the public safe here is to say, hey, listen, stay home, watch the trial on court TV. I know it's self-serving, Julia. I understand the self-serving part of what I'm saying here. But it's actually true that to say... Right. The safest place to see the trial is at home watching court TV. It is. It's going to be very cold in March. Uh, it's one of the things that the defendants brought up when they were arguing that the state shouldn't be able to move it for a public health crisis. They think that in March there'll be less crowds because people won't want to be outstanding in the very cold temperatures that are in Minnesota this time of year. So they think actually moving it to the summer, and this was just an argument that the defense was using to go against the state. They still, for other reasons, wanted to move this trial. But uh, that is one of the arguments as well about public health. But you said exactly what the judge said. He can't concern himself with what happens outside. His responsibility is to what happens inside the courtroom, and they are doing everything they can to keep people safe. Yeah, you move it to June. That is right on the one-year anniversary. It's when you have the best weather in in Minneapolis. I think you would ha absolutely have more people then. I think you're going to have a lot of people either way. Uh, I don't think some cold weather is going to stop people from having their voices heard. However, I mean, it's a, it's a it's cold. I mean, Minneapolis is, is still cold in March. And if you're outside all day long, maybe the, the protest won't be as long or maybe they'll go in spurts beginning of the day, end of the day. However, it works out. I don't think people on a case and an issue this important to them will necessarily be deterred by the weather. But I, I have to reiterate to anyone listening. The best place and warmest place to watch this trial is on a television. And, you know, and I understand if you want to protest, absolutely protest and have your voice heard. Um, but to see and hear the trial, Court TV is the place. So are there any other outstanding issues here that the sides, because I know before trials, they're always fighting over things. We want this evidence in. We want this evidence out. We want this person to testify. We don't want this person to testify. Is, is that type of battle taking place here? Or, or has the battle really been about when and where this trial will be? The battle has been most recently over when this trial will be. So that is 
now a non-issue because of the court order, but we do have the outstanding motion to reconsider. We'll see what the court says to the state, but there are discovery issues that are still being bowed out. This is a case that's still ongoing when it comes to the investigation even. The state admitted in a recent pretrial hearing, they're still getting evidence in. They're still receiving documents from certain agencies and they are then turning it over to the defense. We are less than 50 days out from the trial and there's still information that these teams are getting in and examining. So I think we're going to see a lot of that as we get closer and closer to trial where the defense will likely still be arguing to have this date moved because they may not have received something they think they are entitled to. Meanwhile, a whole bunch of potential jurors were filling out questionnaires, right? Yeah, uh, we have not been told by the court. They say this is private. How many people have those questionnaires? But a we can expect a large pool of people in Hennepin County have been sent these long questionnaires, and those already came back to the courthouse on January 2nd. So the people who are going to be jurors already know who they are. They've already signed the questionnaire that says, under penalty of perjury, you will not watch coverage, you will not research this case, and you will come down to the courthouse in March to be selected, to be part of the void hour process. And, and part of the, the questions that they asked them in the questionnaire in, in included um, what they know about the case and, and whether or not they have taken part in anything as well, right? A lot of extensive questioning about their connection to the George Floyd video that they may have watched whether they participated in any of the Black Lives Matter protests or even just the demonstrations. You know, there were demonstrations everywhere, every state in this country. So it's a high possibility that a lot of those people who are responding and who are going to be in that jury pool did have that connection to, even if they asked about not just Black Lives Matter, but Blue Lives Matter, which uh, side of this are you on? Who have you posted on social media about? Do you have strong feelings about either of these movements? And that really is going to impact a lot of the members of this poll, we can expect. That is a big issue that is so unique to this case and I, and I think is going to be a major issue during the jury selection process. Julie Janae, Court TV legal correspondent, uh, thank you so much. Appreciate all the insight. Um, we will speak again. Absolutely. Thanks, Vinny. All right. As Julie Janae reported, um, these potential jurors had to fill out information. And, and what you try to do is find out a little bit about them and, and what their connection or, or prejudices may or may not be going into the jury selection process. But this case is unlike any other. And especially in Minneapolis, we saw what happened in Minneapolis, how passionate people were about what happened here. And the question is, what should happen to the potential jurors who did participate in any demonstrations or counter demonstrations or who posted on social media in favor of Black Lives Matter or Blue Lives Matter or defund the police or defend the police? Can any of them serve on this jury? When we come back, we will have that debate with the one and only Eklund Mercy. That is next. For more Court TV, watch it on cable, over the air, Roku, or go to CourtTV.com and stream live gavel-to-gavel -gavel coverage. Catch up on the big moments from our current cases and relive some of Court TV's most historic trials.
Court TV, your front row seat to justice. The jury questionnaires have been sent out. They've been filled out. They've been returned to the court. And the question is, what's going to happen during the jury selection for the George Floyd case? Because we know how people reacted to this, whether it was in person in Minneapolis, on the streets of Minneapolis, on social media. And there was an uh, and there were reactions. Then there were reactions to the reactions and all of it filled with a level of passion I have never seen before. Now it's time to try to find 12 who can be fair and impartial because that is the legal standard. Can you take all of this, put it aside, and, and be fair and impartial and base your verdict on the evidence and solely on the evidence presented in court? But the question is, um, who should automatically be disqualified from this jury? And I have a lot of questions because uh, I have some strong opinions about this because Ultimately, our system um, can succeed or fail based upon uh, jury selection and whether or not uh, folks are on the jury are indeed fair and impartial and have not made up their minds already and don't have a dog in the race or a horse in the race, whatever we say these days. They are not so connected to the, the story and the, the death of George Floyd that they can be fair and impartial. And this can be tough. I mean, all the, these are people from Hennepin County. This is where it happened. It's tough enough in any other city in the United States. But here in Hennepin County, let's bring in criminal defense attorney from Atlanta, Georgia, Eklund Mercy, back on the program. Eklund, great to see you. Good to see you, too. All right, Eklund. I'm gonna, I have a real problem here. I think there's going to be a problem in finding people. And, and what I'm talking about are not people that are going to be bounced by the prosecution or bounced by the defense. I'm talking about people who need to be bounced by the judge and not even eligible to serve on this jury because of, of having, having demonstrated what their thoughts are about this case and, and, and this issue. And it's on both sides. I mean, can you in any way see Eklund, someone, a potential juror who is on the streets of Minneapolis after the death of George Floyd, marching with signs and pictures of George Floyd on this jury? I mean, that's not how I mean, that's not who should be on this jury. I, I think absolutely. I think that they have a First Amendment right to peacefully protest, to peacefully assemble. They have a First Amendment right to petition the government to redress their grievances. And with that utterly being said, they also are asked questions whether they can be fair and impartial, whether if all the evidence pre presented for them, can they make a fair and impartial decision? So if they can say that they can do that, then we're good. Now, now um, people can lie. People absolutely can lie. So things that we would look at is, did you attend the Capitol riots? Were you trying to overthrow our whole government? Um, are you a white supremacist? Do you believe that everybody's beneath you? These are questions that fundamentally flick you off of a jury pool. But to say that even if you are a Trump's, Trump supporter or wait, support wait, 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 Eklund, Eklund, Eklund. You, what on earth does this have to do with Donald Trump? This has nothing to do with Donald Trump. This is George Floyd, the death of George Floyd, Officer Derek Chauvin, and, and the people you, of Minneapolis. What are you talking about? You just about? said 
you just said you just said the blue lives matter the black lives. you said blue lives and once you say blue lives you are opening that can so what we Those will are have police officers. is that it does not Donald matter Trump is that not a it does not officer. matter it does not matter it has shown bias so if you are a trump supporter let me see it can you be fair can you be what? impartial if you are if you if you believe in black lives matter can you be fair or can you be impartial but hunty if you are a part of the proud boys we already know what you stand for you're not gonna be on this jury so you gotta be consistent the the constitution says you have a right you have a right to be stupid you have the right to be special however you don't have the right to sit up here and taint juries that's why we ask you questions and you get flicked off by the judge you get flicked off by the judge right Donald Trump is not a citizen of Hennepin County. He's not going to be in the, on the jury. No, but they tried to overthrow the government in, in Washington, D.C. So that means I don't, that's the nation's capital. That is the nation's capital. What we have lost, we have lost as a society if we don't know that that makes the connection. Your president at that time, you tried to make you throw, overthrow the government. There are white people out here who are looking for pardons, didn't get it, and they are looking at felony charges. And you want those particular people on this jury? I say not. So that goes to show that whether you can be fair and impartial, those types of, that's why we have the questions. If they do not correlate with your social media presence, pictures, yeah, there are people who, who may be, who may feel any type of way. Oh, for George Floyd. But if they were, if they were very, um, if we have, if we have evidence that they cannot be fair, that they cannot be impartial, then they cannot be on the jury. Same right. thing if you Well, here's like the question, though. The question man. is, can someone who has already stepped, and, and it's not protesting in general, it's about this case and this trial. It's a direct connection. It's someone who has taken a position on this case, whether it is pro-police or defund the police, or pro-George Floyd, or, or George Floyd, uh, anti-George Floyd, you know, he died uh, from drugs. If anyone has taken a stance, whether it's protesting on the streets of Minneapolis or voicing your opinion on social media, they got to go. They can't no. be rehabilitated on this no. jury. They've already, they've already made you. a stance on no, this case. A, it doesn't matter. What it is is... You have a First Amendment right. That's why this Constitution yes. is so beautiful. You have a beautiful. First Amendment right to Let be on the jury. You have a First Amendment right, but you also have, you know, you know the consequences. You say, you write, you, you, you make that, when you make that pledge under penalty of perjury, so you can, you can lie if you want to, but there's this penalty of perjury. And if they can find that you haven't been unbiased, there's a way to rehabilitate that. There's a way to rectify that. But I am not in the idea of setting people away just because of, that's why we're America. That is why we're this nation, is that people can share their different beliefs and that we can still proceed as a whole. Right. But the, the this is this is different than, like, Okay, I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, right? 
that that uh, there's not the direct connection to this case. This case was about something that happened those nine minutes, and people yeah. have taken positions on those nine minutes. People have actually participated, uh, whether it's through protesting in the streets, marching in the streets, whether it is um, posting on social media. They all have reacted and taken a position yeah. on this specific case. Uh, that's a reason to but, be bounced by the judge. But, no, that's why we have a whole jury trial. We know what the, we know, as attorneys, you know what discovery looks like. The public will never get that type of discovery. The public will never get that type of one-on-one -on -one with all the evidence presented. So to say that, even though, like, for example, let me use history as our guide. So the four little girls, the four little church girl church bombings, everybody knew about it. It was all over the press. Everybody knew that these four little girls died. They still had to have a trial. Why? Right. Because we, but not we with have people a constitution. Said and then let me tell you what happened. You have to go through, that's why, that's why our nation is what our nation is. You have to go through our justice system. There are procedures in place to make sure that people who aren't fair and impartial get off. And right, as long as but, but let's take a look at the, the four it. little girls that are they're killed. If someone comes out and says, and, and has a, a protest and says, these people were wrongfully accused or these people were were our murderers. They can't yes. they can't sit on the jury. So they got to be bounced by the, the judge. Thing. You're setting you're setting a terror. Go on and set that precedent because how many times we have had trials in which um, prosecutors rehabilitate people who 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 rehabilitate people and because of that same aspect. Listen, we can rehabilitate anybody. It is up to the judge to see if they are properly rehabilitated. We have checks and balances for this specific reason. The judge can ask if the if that person under the penalty of perjury does not answer that question correctly or in truth, he has he or she will suffer the consequences. All right. And so, we have to so be okay say, with let's that. Let's say let's say someone posted, you know, they, let's say they changed their profile picture to Blue Lives Matter and then posted that George Floyd died of a drug overdose. And they say, oh, I could put that aside and be fair and impartial. That person should be on the jury? Is that what you're no, saying? Well, that's, but that's different. That's How's that that's different, then? That's particulars to um, George Floyd as a person. That's a character assassination. That is going to his personal character. That's someone that who decided the case already. That, that I, doesn't know that. So if you say, hey, George Floyd, in general... George Floyd should not have been murdered. Okay, if you believe that Derek Chauvin did his job, okay. But if you believe as a person, George Floyd should not be seen as a human being, get off my jury. If you believe that Derek Chauvin, Chauvin was doing God's work in snuffing out this black man, get off my jury. But you have to, you have, there is a line. You can see it. If in general you believe someone, I see the line. Not. To me, the line is very clear. Someone who has taken a stance and a position in this case and has publicly stated that has felt so strong about it that I felt the need to go down to the streets to protest or down to the courthouse to protest or yeah. down to, to, to the food store to protest. Or I felt so strong I, I needed to change my profile picture on social media. I needed to post about this on social media. I mean, yeah. in most in 99.9% in .9 of the trials, people aren't posting about the actual case. They're not posting about the actual case that they're supposed to sit on. That's ridiculous. We can't have that. But here's the thing. We are in a different time. 
We have everything is public. The Constitution doesn't change. The, 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 it doesn't change. But however, it's there are amendments for a reason to be amended with the time. And in this time, as well, everything can be posted quickly. Information is quickly. That video came out quickly. So with all that being said, you... It doesn't matter with the times. My rights are still my rights. If I feel a certain way at the time, I should be able to say that. No, you and can say I, it. Nobody's stopping you from saying it. it. They're just keeping and you I can say it. And I also have a constitutional right to petition the government for my grievances. Yes. And I also have the constitutional right to go and um, peacefully assemble. Yes. And assemble. So if I did the peaceful, and if I did it under the Constitution, you can't take me off the jury. Yes, That's because right. that that criminal defendant, no, you can't. that you criminal defendant, has a constitutional right to a fair and impartial jury. Right. You're not gonna punish me for exercising my first. That's amendment not a punishment. Right. Getting off no, of jury duty not. is punishment no, now. No, you not. I'm going to sit on this jury and you're going to take me. Why? Because when I say I'm fair and impartial, you have to take me for my word. I am a human being. You're going to take me for my word. It is First Amendment. I'm going to use it. You're then you're going to get the, me, then you're, you're going to no, get, you're going to get no, the jury. You're, so you want no. the juror who's protesting for George Floyd who says they can be fair and impartial. And you want the if juror who's protesting for blue lives. Uh, and you yes. believe that they're going to be fair and impartial. Because this is our nation. This is our nation. That's how our nation is run. We cannot ever have the room our, our own way. It's not going to happen. That is why we have a jury. That All is right, why Eklund. we have a trial. All right, Eklund, I'll give you the final word. That's how fair I am. I'm giving you the final word on this. Go ahead. I, listen, I believe that we have a great nation. We just, we just inaugurated a new president. And we have a First Amendment right. We have the First Amendment right to peacefully protest, to peacefully um, assemble. We have the First Amendment right to petition the government with our grievances. That is our right. That is what belongs to us. That's what makes us American. So with that being said, what makes us American should not negate us from participating in our civic duties, which is to participate in jury trials like um, um, uh, like Derek Chauvin's trial, because it is Derek Chauvin's trial, and he should get justice. Whether the justice is that he goes to prison for the rest of his life, or justice means that the state has to prove beyond a reasonable doubt, but justice must be served, and everybody needs to participate in it. Eklund Mercy, always great to have you on the program. Appreciate Thank it. You. It was great fighting with you, man. <laughs> well, it, it's it, it's yeah. You think this is a fight? Wait, wait till you see the trial, folks. This is unbelievable. Now, when we come back, this trial, ladies and gentlemen, I think will be an amazing moment for Americans to learn just how fair our system is and how difficult it is to prosecute criminal defendants. I'll explain next. Follow Court TV live over the air, uninterrupted. If you're watching television with an antenna, just rescan your channels now to add Court TV. And go to CourtTV.com to see the exact channel position and more ways to watch Court TV in your area. All right, I've recovered. I've recovered from Eklund Mercy. Uh, you know, fair and impartial to me is, is always the, the standard. And you need jurors that are going to be fair and impartial. Otherwise, the entire system crumbles. And with that being said, there is, I believe, in our, our country, and, and it's probably because of podcasts, you know, okay, 
that there are a lot of wrongful convictions, that there's like this huge number of wrongful convictions. I think people think in their heads like, you know, two out of three or one out of three convictions are like wrongful convictions and all these innocent people are being prosecuted in our country. And it's just not true. It's just not true. It's not like it is on TV. And these podcasts, um, many of them that I've listened to, try to make the case for a wrongful conviction, but come up short because, uh, you know, they pick and choose what evidence they want to talk about making a murderer. Um, anyway, moving forward in, in the George Floyd case, I, I think for people who haven't watched a trial before, and even those who have seen a trial, I think this is going to be an amazing lesson in understanding how difficult the job is for prosecutors day in and day out to convict people. And it all is because of the way our system is set up. Our system is set up that we as prosecutors, and I say we because I'm a former prosecutor, have the burden of proof. And we've got to prove the case beyond any and all reasonable doubt, every element of the crime. And, you know, on paper you say, oh, yeah, it's an easy case. You know, you got the video of George Floyd. This is an easy case. Open, shut. It's over. You know, and, 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 and America and the world reacted to that video. And many people... I think initially had the, the, the same belief that this is wrong. This is terrible. Someone needs to be prosecuted for this. And Derek Chauvin is the, is the man with the knee on the neck. And I understand that. And I've seen other cases like this where the public reaction, it obviously didn't, didn't go as wide ranging as the George Floyd case, but there was for those that were paying attention to the story or the case or the death, they looked at it and they said, oh, this is an easy case. You've got X, Y, and Z. Wait till you get inside the courtroom, ladies and gentlemen, because you will have a fair and impartial jury, a jury that went through the uh, jury selection process and was able to say they're going to go into that courtroom with an open mind. They're going to be instructed by the judge many times to to give that defendant the presumption of innocence and that it's the prosecution and only the prosecution that has any burden to prove anything. And if they don't prove it, the person is not guilty. And once the jury is inside the four walls and they get these instructions from the judge and then the evidence comes out and every piece of evidence ends up being challenged by the defense, all of a sudden a case that looks like a slam dunk isn't so much a slam dunk because of that burden beyond a reasonable doubt. That means there can't be any other reasonable explanation for what happened other than the criminality that's been charged. So here it would be murder, right? This is a tough murder case. This is not an easy murder case whatsoever. Because, first of all, prosecutors have to prove the cause of death. And that will be challenged by the defense. And is there any other reasonable alternative? Not that the defense has to prove beyond a reasonable doubt how George Floyd died. Prosecutors have to prove that it was because of the actions of Derek Chauvin that George Floyd died. Is there any other reasonable explanation for his death? Well, the defense is going to talk about the drugs, the toxicology, the fentanyl. They're going to talk about the heart attack, which is what the state's experts said was the cause of death, was heart failure. What caused the heart failure? It wasn't asphyxiation. That's not the cause of death, according to the state's own medical examiner. 
So now is there any other reasonable explanation outside the actions of Derek Chauvin that could be argued by the defense? That's a hurdle. Then you have to go inside the mind of the criminal defendant in every case. You've got to get what was their intent. How do you prove intent here? And is there any other reasonable explanation for what he was intending to do? The prosecution has to prove that his intent was criminal, that he was intentionally committing a crime on the streets of Minneapolis in front of all those people on body cam, on cell phone cam with, you know, 15 witnesses from the public watching. Is there any other reasonable explanation for what he did? Could he have been trying to hold George Floyd down until the EMTs showed up? I don't know. That's what they're going to argue. Then you're also going to bring into um, this case the protocol and the training that that Officer Chauvin received as an officer. Was he following his training? Was that was what was in his mind and his intent, that he was executing not George Floyd, but executing the training that he had as a police officer? All of these things will come inside the courtroom. And, and, you know, we talk about the issues on the podcast and on court TV and we debate them a little bit. But it becomes much more subtle and much more precise inside a courtroom. And you're going to have 12 different people who all have to be convinced beyond a reasonable doubt that his intent was criminal, that he caused the death of George Floyd, that he was not following police training. He was trying to assault this man. He was trying to engage in criminal activity intentionally. And it becomes so difficult. And it's not just this case. It's in every trial that you watch on court TV. It's in every trial that happens in our nation's courtrooms day in and day out. And that burden for prosecutors never goes away. We are the ones who have to prove it. And it's not easy. It's not easy. I mean, most of the convictions in our system are criminal defendants who plead guilty. I mean, over 95% of, of, of people who are charged with a crime end up pleading guilty. So now when we go to trial, it's just the 5%. And there's different reasons why people go to trial. Sometimes it's a lack of evidence. Sometimes it's I've got nothing to lose. And once in a while... It's because they believe they are innocent. And that's what this case is. Derek Chauvin believes he's innocent. The question is, is, will the jury believe that their story is reasonable? That's all they have to prove. If the jury believes that Derek Chauvin's story is, is reasonable, not that it's that it's the most believable or the most reasonable, it just has to be reasonable. And when you watch this trial on court TV, you will see how difficult that burden is and how even a case like this with video and where the public had an incredible reaction to what they saw on that video and what they said and what they believed, whether they were um, former police officers, politicians, entertainers or just members of the public voicing their opinion and everyone came to their own verdict in this case very quickly and overwhelmingly it was guilty once we get in the courtroom the game changes 
which is why I believe this trial will be um, very informative for the public, regardless of what the verdict is, just to see what prosecutors have to do to win this case. All right, folks, Court TV has an amazing documentary that we did about this case called I Can't Breathe, George Floyd, a Court TV special. Check uh, local listings to see when it's going to air again in your area. In the meantime, check out the show notes. We have lots of links for you to see um, lots of information related to this as we march closer to March 8th, which is the trial date, the George Floyd trial, March 8th. You will see and hear all of it on Court TV, your front row seat to justice. If you don't have Court TV, but you have a digital antenna, please rescan it so you can pick up Court TV and you won't miss one minute of the trial. I'm Vinny Politan. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week. And as always, don't forget to hug the kids. This podcast is a production of Court TV. Go to CourtTV.com for more content, trials on demand, and to find out how to watch Court TV in your area.